0: Are you ready for the word this morning? Turn to your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 16. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 17, beginning with verse number 11, Luke 17, verse number 11. And I want you to um, see this passage this morning, Luke chapter 17 and beginning with verse number 11, Luke 17, beginning with verse number 11. And listen to the word of the Lord. Now it happened as they went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met ten men who were leopards, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourself to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice and glorified God and fell down on his face, giving thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said to him, were there not 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Were there not any found who returned to give thanks to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise your way, go, your faith has made you well. This morning for a few moments, I want to preach on the thought, one man's thanksgiving. Everybody shout that with me, one man's thanksgiving. Come on, say it again, one man's thanksgiving. Thanksgiving Today, I'm just going to speak on a few moments on Thanksgiving since this Thursday is Thanksgiving. And how many is excited about some turkey and mashed potatoes, green beans and hot roll and pecan pie and uh, let's see, pumpkin pie? How many is excited for that? Scott, you're excited for it, aren't you? Come on. Anybody in the building excited for Thursday? How many is not excited to cook? Well you know Cracker Barrel you can order food from Cracker Barrel and they'll take care of it for you you know but how many knows a nobody can cook like mama? All right, three people I guess your mama can't cook. (laughs) Sister Christine is like, no, my mom can't cook. All right, we'll go on. All right. (laughs) So this Thursday is Thanksgiving. And once a year, you know, we have a special day in America that is called Thanksgiving. It is a holiday that is special to America. Other nations of the world have adopted a similar concept. But here in America, we have one particular day where we give thanks The greater challenge today is to live a thankful life, not necessarily to give thanks on one day, but to live a generous and thankful life every day, thanksgiving or thankful living. I'm not sure about you, but I want to be a thankful person, don't you? I always want to be thankful. I want my attitude that to be of gratitude. You see, I've learned one thing in life, and that is this. You can give thanks without being thankful. But you cannot be thankful without giving thanks. I'm going to say that again. You cannot give thanks. You can give thanks without being thankful. But you cannot be thankful without giving thanks. You see, the Bible is full of scriptures that command us to be thankful. One scripture right after another scripture indicates to us that we as God's people should be thankful. I'm reminded of a story in 1 Chronicles chapter number 16 and verse 34. Uh, The Bible says they were going to war. The children of Israel were going to war and they lifted up their voices and they begin to say, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Do you see that one of the strategies to win against the enemy in the Old Testament was to give praise to God, to give thanks to God. And I certainly believe that that principle is still true today, that the weapons of our warfare are carnal, but they are mighty through God, or they're, they're carnal, but they're mighty through God by the pulling down of our strongholds. That if we persist in praise and thanksgiving, that is a weapon against the enemy. How many would raise your hand and say that could be a weapon against the enemy, being thankful and being grateful. And they lifted up their voice and they begin to give God. Thanks. The Bible says in Colossians chapter three and verse number 15, the writer of Colossians tells us to let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let it be a garrison in your heart. Let it call the shots in your life to which also you were called to one body and to be what? Thankful. To be what? Thankful. The next verse says in verse number 16, he abolishes the church, but let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Verse number 17 says this. He says, and whatever you do in word and deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God to God through the Father, through Him. You see, so we're called to give thanks to God. Give thanks to God. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 16, it says, for be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 4, for every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it's to be received with thanksgiving. The Bible Bible says in Psalm chapter 75 and verse number one, we give thanks to you. Oh God, we give thanks for your wondrous works declare that your name is near. You see over and over the scripture tells us that we are to give thanks to God. One scripture says in the book of Hebrews that you are a priest under the Lord and you are to give sacrifices to the Lord by the fruit of your lips to give offerings to the Lord, to give thanksgiving to the Lord by the fruit of your lips. The Apostle Paul declares to us that one of the characteristics of the last days would be people who are unthankful and ungrateful. But man, if we if there was ever a time that we can see that in modern day society, it is right before us. Right before us. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse number 1. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse verse number one, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. The word perilous means difficult. He says in the last days, difficult times will come. My friends, we are living in difficult times. And he says that there is a list of characteristics of things that will happen in the difficult time. And the Bible says in verse number two of that same scripture, he says this for men will be lovers of them themselves. They will be lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. Do you see the phrase there? Unthankful and unholy. I think that it's not by coincidence that an unthankful person is an unholy person. An unthankful person is an unholy person. A holy person is a thankful person. A holy person is a thankful person. Somebody who is unthankful is unholy because that is not the characteristic of God himself. That is not the characteristic of God's nature to be unthankful and to be unholy. Over and over the scripture tells us that we should be a thankful and grateful people. And there are a plethora of scriptures that I could read, especially in the book of Psalms that tells us that we should lift our voices up in thanksgiving. It tells us in the book of Psalms that we should praise the Lord in instruments. We should praise him with loud sounding symbols. The scripture over and over tells us that everything that hath breath praise the Lord. The Bible tells us that you are a walking worshiping system. Hallelujah. You were created to worship God before you were created to have children before you were created to marry before you were created to have a job and to partake of resources. You were created before the foundation of the world to be a a worshiper, And there's something within you today that longs to worship God, that longs to praise God. And when it comes up out of you, it is thanksgiving. It is worship because any person who is righteous will be thankful. Amen. The Bible tells us that when we speak in tongues, we speak wonderful mysteries of God. We speak thanksgiving to the Lord when we pray in that unknown language, because you are a walking Worshiping system. Everything you do should be an attitude of worship. Everything you do should be an attitude of praise. And everything you do should be an attitude of thanksgiving. There is a story that is before us today, a story that I'm sure that you have heard before, and is a story I'm sure that many people have preached on. I don't claim to be the greatest preacher, but I do claim to be a preacher. And I'm sure people can preach this better than I can. But I do want to reveal to you some things about this narrative that I believe it's very important to live a thankful life because a thankful life is a holy life, and I want to live a holy life, my friends. I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to be totally dedicated, separated, and consecrated to the hand of Almighty God. I want to be holy, and if I'm going to be holy, I'm going to be thankful. This scripture, this passage, this narrative indicates to us how to live a thankful life, and it also tells us some indicators of somebody who is thankful thankful. It gives us some principles of things that you can live by. And so I want you to rehearse this story just for a moment. We are proposed with this story in Luke 17 of Jesus. The Bible says in Luke chapter 17, around verse 11, the Bible tells us that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And the Bible tells us that he is passing through Samaria and Galilee. He is passing through Samaria and Galilee. And the Bible says he runs into some people. He runs into ten people. Ten people. And the scripture indicates to us that these ten people are lepers. They're lepers. Now if you know anything about being a leper, it was not a celebrated thing in Bible days. Leprosy was a disease that disfigured your body. It basically ate away your flesh and it was contagious. People stayed away from the disease and lepers would wrap themselves with cloth and they would hide away from society and when you would get close to them they automatically would say unclean unclean so you would stay away from people it, it was contagious it, 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 you, you 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 did social distancing you you stayed away from people you didn't want to get close to them because it was it, it, they were unclean and it was a it was a horrible disease I mean for it to eat your flesh it was very it was not not a pleasant thing to look at. It wasn't very, th- it wasn't very pleasant to look at. So they would cover their bodies in cloth to hide away the disfiguration of their skin. And so this wasn't something, this wasn't a laughing matter. These 10 lepers were very, 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 very sick. And they were very unclean. They stood afar uh, off. Do you see the scripture, verse number 11, uh, Luke chapter 17, verse number 11, or excuse me, verse number 12. The Bible says Luke 17 verse 12 and they stood afar off they stood afar off they were unclean they had social uh, they had social anxiety they couldn't be with anybody they were quarantined from the rest of the community they stayed away because of their disease but they saw Jesus that day and they believed in their heart that maybe Jesus could help them and the Bible says in verse number 13 they ask for Mercy. They didn't ask for healing. They asked for mercy. They asked for mercy. Why? Jesus is a carpenter. Maybe Jesus could build them a home. Maybe Jesus can build them a table where they could sit at and eat their food together. Maybe Jesus could do something for them that would be beneficial for them so they didn't feel like they were isolated from the community. Or maybe they thought Jesus could heal them. I don't know where they, I don't know their level of faith. I don't know what they heard about Jesus, but obviously they heard something about Jesus and they cried for mercy. As I was reading this scripture, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said to me, son, this is a picture of salvation. And I said to the Lord, Lord, how is this a picture of salvation? Verse number 12, the 10 lepers stood afar off and verse number 13, they asked for mercy. I want to say that again, because I think it's no worthy to say it again. Verse number 12, they stood afar off because they had a disease. And verse number 13, they asked for mercy. You see, my friends, every one of us have a disease called sin. And this sin is a disease that has that has spread throughout all of humanity. And because of our sin, we have become isolated spiritually. We have become, we have become isolated from the community just like Adam and Eve. When they sinned, what did they do? They isolated themselves. Listen, church members are like automobiles. They start missing before they quit. All right. And so when we start isolating ourselves from the community, why does people isolate themselves from the community? Because being a part of a community teaches us to be selfless. And anytime we become selfish, we become a part of ourselves. We, we become inward focus. We focus on our desires, aspirations, and dreams instead of coming a part of a community. Can somebody say amen? These people were a part. These people stood afar off and when they stood afar off they asked for mercy. Isn't Isn't that a picture of salvation? All of us because of our sin stands afar off from God. We are separated from God. We stand afar off because of the disease called sin. But how many knows help will come when you lift your voice up and cry for mercy. Can I hear an amen? I said how many would believe me that help would come when you begin to cry for mercy? Amen and they cried for mercy and what did the master do the master came to him the master came he they begin to cry for mercy and the master came you see you see the bible is so good here you see because nothing miraculous happened These these lepers begin to cry for mercy. They cried out unto the Lord. And the Bible says that Jesus said to them, look at what Jesus said. They lifted up their voice and they said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And when he saw him, he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. And so it was that while they went, they were cleansed. Jesus never touched them. Jesus never had a prayer service. Jesus never laid oil on them. Jesus spoke the word. And as they went, They were healed. Listen, I can't necessarily pray for all of you and lay hands upon you because of certain restrictions. I can't do that all the time. Not right now. Uh, Sometimes if it's it's a dire emergency, I'll do it. But because we have to restrict and follow protocol, I want to tell you something. It is not the touch of Jesus. It's not the touch of Josh that brings healing to your body. It is the word of God and the obedience to the word of God that brings healing. So if this morning Morning, if you're feeling like I need somebody to lay hands on you, I need somebody to lay hands on me, I sympathize with you. But let me tell you something. There is something greater than laying on our hands. It is the spoken word of God. And when you obey the word of God, you can go. Oh, hallelujah. You can. He said to him, go your way. And the Bible says they went on their way. And as they went, they were healed. Somebody raise your hand and thank God today. They, as they went, they were on their way. And as they begin to walk, Jesus couldn't touch them. He was following protocol. He didn't want to touch them. He knew religious leaders were watching him. So he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to speak the word. And the word will bring healing and the obedience to the spoken word brings healing. And so number one, what can we learn from this narrative is that continual steps of obedience leads to total victory. Continual steps of obedience leads to victory. The Bible says, look at it. The Bible says in verse number 14, and he saw him, saw them, and he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. And so it was that. That as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. They could have said, you know what? This this Jesus thing, if Jesus is this some sort of healer, he could at least lay hands on me. He laid hands on sister so-and-so and they got healed. He laid hands on brother so-and-so and they got healed. I guess Jesus don't care about us. He just told us to go show ourselves to the priest. He He doesn't really care about our condition. You see, as they went, they obeyed the words of Jesus because continual steps in the right direction leads to total obedience. Can I hear an amen? When you, listen, listen, God often works things out while you are on your way. I think I'm going to shout up here. Is this all right? Can, can I just say it for y'all one more time? God often works things out while you are on your way. Sometimes you don't see the miraculous. Sometimes you come to church and you're like, what, well, doesn't look like ain't nothing happening. I don't feel nothing, nothing going on. Because it's not about, it's not about that. It's obedience in the right direction. God works things out while I'm praising him. He works things out while I'm tithing. He works things out as I'm being nice to people. He works things out as I'm checking my heart. He works things out while I'm on my way. The devil wants you to stop in the path. The devil wants you to give up. Discouragement can come on you like a blanket and say it's not worth it any longer. But God says, I'll work it out as you're on your way. The women, I'm about to oh God, I'm about to shout up in here. The women on Easter Sunday morning, as they were on their way, they said to themselves, who is going to roll back the stone for us? And as they were on their way, God was working it out as they were walking. And when they got there, the angel already rolled the stone away because God works it out as you are on your way. Some of you are looking for the miraculous and you're missing it on the journey. You're missing it. Hallelujah. Can I just shout up and hear? Woo! <clears throat> Hallelujah. Can I have about just 50 people in this building? Can I have just I just encourage you? Can I have 50 people in the building and say, I thank you that you're working out even when I don't see you working it out? You work it out, you're working out hallelujah. Woo! You work it out. You see, this is, hold on, staying right there. You know what the Lord said to me? The Lord said, tell them, tell them this, between here and there, I'm going to do something in your life. Here, here, I am covered There, I'm supposed to go myself and see the priest. But between here and there, I'm going to work something out in your life. You see, some of you are missing it because you are looking for the miraculous. And God says it's not in the miraculous. I'll work it out as you walk. (laughs) Oh. Sometimes I tell myself, "Now don't be reserved. Just be reserved. But it gets on me. Is this all right, Pastor Brunel? Between here and there, I'm going to do something in your life. Hallelujah. I'm going to do it in your life. Because, listen, faith is exhibited in what you actually do. Faith is exhibited in what you do. You can hear the word every Sunday, but if you don't do it, it does nothing for you. He said to them, go show yourself to the priest. Their faith was exhibited because they did what Jesus told them to do. And that's what you call faith. Faith, continual steps in the right direction gives total victory. Number two, an attitude of entitlement diminishes gratitude. Now, think about this. They're walking. Jesus said, I want you to go show yourself to the priest. As they went, they were healed. Now, the Bible tells us that, let's just look at it. The Bible tells us that verse number 16, the one leper that came back, the Bible says in verse number 16, he was a Samaritan. The one that came back was a Samaritan. Most theologians believe that the other nine were from Galilee. Jesus left Jerusalem, the Bible says he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. The scripture tells us that at least one of them was a Samaritan. Now let's let's just infer here that the other nine are from Galilee, and the reason that I say that is that if that is true, if that is true, then maybe the reason that only one of them came back to give thanks, only one came back to give thanks. And Jesus said, where are the other nine? Now the question is, is why is only one of them came back to give thanks? Well, you see, Galilee was the region that Jesus did his ministry. Jesus is from Galilee. Jesus is their homeboy. Jesus was raised with them. Jesus was in the same region with them. Maybe, and I'm inferring this, but maybe the other nine lepers thought to themselves, Jesus should have healed me because I know who Jesus is. I was raised with Jesus in Galilee. I know Jesus's mother. I know his father. I know his siblings. We played together in the streets. He's my homeboy. But the Bible says one of them came back and he was a Samaritan. A Samaritan was considered an outcast, almost as if they were a half breed. The Jews did not like these people at all. And here is one Samaritan came and the Samaritan knew the Jews didn't like him. They they faced social humiliation. These Samaritans was a group of people that they felt like they were an outcast. And one of them came back and he began to give thanks and do you know what I believe the Samaritan is saying the Samaritan is saying you know what I don't earn it I, I didn't work for this I don't deserve this in fact Jesus I don't even know who you are I wasn't raised with you from Galilee I didn't know you when you was a boy I don't know anything all I know is that all my life as a Samaritan I have felt like I was a nobody all my life I have felt like i I've been an outcast all my life I felt like I've been unworthy and I don't even deserve to be healed Lord so I'm going to come back to tell you how much I appreciate you how much I honor you and how much I love you is there any Samaritans in the building that can wave your hands I don't deserve it I didn't work for it but I gotta give him thanks and honor because of his grace and his mercy today hallelujah and sometimes us having an attitude of entitlement like we deserve it. I've had people leave this church because no, in 20 years of ministry, not this particular church, just 20 years. People leave because they felt entitled. If you don't let me preach, they feel entitled. If you don't let me, I'm entitled. And when we have a spirit of entitlement, Listen, Jesus told a parable. Some people's hired at nine o'clock. Some people are hired at noon. Some people are hired at five o'clock. He's the master and he'll pay everybody what he thinks needs to be paid. Amen. And if you think you've been working from nine o'clock in the morning and somebody that came on board at five o'clock get the same wage that you got that you worked all day, that is a spirit of entitlement. He is the judge. He is the rewarder. And he is the one that pays the people the wages, not me. And an attitude of entitlement. Maybe the nine had a spirit. Maybe they had a spirit of entitlement. Jesus was my homeboy. It, uh, me and Jesus used to have hamburgers together. The Samaritan. I don't know him. I'm not from Galilee. I'm from Samaria. I'm just glad for his grace. Number three. Now, isn't it interesting, number three, that your thanksgiving should be as loud as your request? Y'all know. Did y'all get that? Now, y'all look up here just for one second, because I'm up. Can I give it to you? Everybody give me a high five. Give me another high five. Give me a hug. Everybody sing this. I love you. We're a happy fama. Okay. Are you ready for this? Verse number three: Your thanksgiving should be as loud as, as your request. These, these 10 lepers, in verse number 13, but the Bible says in verse number 13, they lifted up their voice. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So what are they doing? They're presenting their request. What is their request? Have mercy on us. Now verse number 15. And one of them, not all of them, One of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a, whoo, and glory. hallelujah. Can I do it one more time? Can I do it one more time? Can I push it? Are you ready? Verse 13. I want you to see it. And they all 10 of them lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. They're giving their request. Verse number 14, and so when he said to them, and when he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. Verse 15, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice. In other words, your Thanksgiving list should be greater than your shopping list. If all you do in prayer is say, "God give me, God 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 get a hold of sister so and so," you know they, you know they did me wrong, Lord, and I just pray, God, he is in the Holy Ghost and convict him, Jesus, you know, they what they did and said to me, how dare, you know, and all of our prayers are consumed with vengeance. God get him, God get him, God get him. I don't understand that. What would happen if we would grow in our prayers? What happens if you start praying for everybody that you don't like? What would happen if you start praying for everybody that got on your nerves? What would happen if you start loving everybody and tipping everybody and taking people out to eat when you're taking your enemies out to eat? What would happen? We would do something so radical in the city of Joplin, it would blow the four walls off of this church. But we're so consumed by our shopping list. What are you thankful for? Because your thanksgiving, they lifted their voice loud. Their thanksgiving was louder than their request. Number four, whenever he displays his power, that's where I'll display my praise. Now, it was common in Judaism for praise to happen at the temple. It was a common place where praise happened. You look in the book of Psalms, you find one scripture right after one scripture where David and others exhorting people to praise, to give thanks, to give honor to God. The temple was a magnificent building. Not only was it a magnificent building, but it was a building filled with praise instruments. You think we're allowed on Sunday morning you hadn't seen anything if you could travel back to the Solomon's temple where they would lift praise and worship and glory to God the Bible says there on occasions on occasions where the people of God would go before battle the praise would be so loud that it would throw the enemy into confusion one time the Bible says in the book of Ezra that when the temple was finished the old people started crying and the young people started shouting and there was so much noise in the building that the writer of Ezra, who was the writer, said he could even discern the sound from crying and weeping and shouting because it was so loud. You see, praise happened around the temple, but here, praise happened on the journey. And if all we do is praising God in a church, and not in our life, there's something wrong with that. Something wrong with that. Number five, last point, faith is exhibited in returning to the Lord after your prayer is answered. Listen to the pastor, do you know how many times I've prayed for people at the altar And they come and cry, bawl, weep, fall on the floor. Somebody gets them some napkins. And we, I mean, they're shouting and crying, God, forgive me, God set me free. And they get up, walk out that building, and three days later, God answers them, delivers them, pays the bill for them They get out of trouble, and I don't see them again sitting on the church pew until the next struggle comes. Because faith is exhibited when you return to the Lord even after he answered your request. It's like the other few few weeks ago, I was, I was in my office, I was praying, and I, I was laying my hands on a particular situation I was praying for, and I was believing God for, and, and when I was praying, I, I felt in my spirit, the Lord said, just, just praise me. So I was in my office, I said, Lord, I thank you you know, and I'd sometimes I'm downstairs, so I don't want to disturb Brandon's. So I'm in downstairs in the nursing mother's room. And so I, sometimes I just get up and I walk in a circle praising God. And this day I was praising God. I was thanking God because there was such faith inside of me that God was going to do what God said he was going to do. And when I picked up Tiffany for dinner that night, I looked at her and said, God, I asked God for something. I know God's going to do it. And I kept telling her a week after God's going to do, this I just feel it in my sweet. Did I not say that God's going to do it? God's going to do it. She's like, well, that's good, that's sweet. That's sweet baby. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I said, God's going to do it. God's going to do it. God's going to do. God's going to do it. Do it. <laughs> Glory to God. So one Sunday after church, I went to my office, and the exact thing I prayed for was laying on my desk. I picked. Oh. So I picked it up. So I got in the car, ran up to Tiffany, banging on the door. She opened She said, what's wrong? What's wrong? I said, (laughs) I started dancing in her living room. I said, God said he was going to do it. And God did exactly what he said he was going to do. I want to let you know today that we serve a God who is able to do anything that your mind could ever comprehend. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Calm down, calm down here. Oh, hallelujah! That's why I get so excited. That's why I just feel like I'm because blah, blah, blah. when you're stuck in the office all week, you're just oh God, get it inside of you. Then you come to church, and people are like this, and pastors are like. And I I discovered if I acted like you, we would never get anything done. Can I hear an amen? Once in a while, you need a little fire on the wood. Hallelujah! Once in a while, you just—not all the time. Once in a while, it's good to have a little spark. Is that all right? So, I wrote it in my journal. Took a picture of it because I have a prayer journal where I write things down. So, my children, one day, if the Lord should tarry and I die, they're gonna get my prayer journals out and they're gonna read page after page. Daddy, pray for a miracle. And here's a copy of the picture to prove that God answered and said what God said he would do. I want to let you know some of you feel discouraged. Start writing down everything God told you and then document it when it happens and when you get discouraged go back and read it. Some of you need to leave your children not a car and not an inheritance. You need to leave them a prayer book. You need to leave them a memorial that when they go back they can read about what God did in your life. That's why our children today don't know what it means to sacrifice. They don't know what it means to sacrifice. We think going on a missions trip once a year is doing something good for God. You know what's more acceptable to God? Not going on a missions trip, but being faithful and doing what's right every day of your life. That's what's... It's consistency and being faithful and serving with the right heart. faith is exemplified and when we return to the Lord after the prayer why why only one came back well think about it all ten of them were in quarantine all ten were sick all ten of them couldn't hug their children couldn't kiss their spouse. All ten of them couldn't go home. But when God healed them, one came back to give thanks and the other nine, where did they go? I speculate that some of them went home and they kissed their babies. Some of them went home Kissed their spouse. Some of them went back to work. Some of them made the phone calls. Come over for dinner. Let's get our family together. I've been away too long. Because I've learned one thing. That was a good thing they did. But good things are not necessarily God things. The fruit was a good thing. It was good to her eyes, but it was the good thing that tripped her up. Some of us is not doing bad things. It's just you're doing too many good things. Your priorities are out. You're doing good things and you live your life doing good things. And you wonder why things ain't happening because you're doing good things. It was good they went home and honored their spouses and their kids, but it wasn't a God thing. The God thing was, you better acknowledge the source before you acknowledge the resource. (laughs) Everything else is a resource. He is the source and they went back to the source he one, went back to the source and god said where are where's the nine at? didn't i heal them all and i'm asking you today i preached my heart out not for your approval or your applause I preached it because this is what the Lord wanted me to preach. And not necessarily because it's Thanksgiving, because I don't always preach Thanksgiving messages. I'm too excited to get to Christmas. So I don't always do this, but I want to do I wanted. I felt like the Spirit was saying, this is what you need to preach on. And I know we have to social distance, but I want us, if you can, and would you will, with this whole place in your own way Let's lift our voice like these lepers and think of something you could thank God. Maybe it's your, maybe it's your marriage. Maybe you have a good marriage, good kids. You're not in the hospital. Think of something. Lord, I thank you for everything you've done.